we're going to get right to let our speaker come and uh, give him the liberty to, just to deliver what God has given him. And sis, no singing, no nothing. You just amen your husband to death. Amen. It was good to sit down with these two last night at the at the dinner table, and we haven't been able to. We haven't gotten around to our Ohio Christmases for a couple of years, but uh, just listening to his humor and their heart for, for the kingdom, and, and uh, I really appreciate this couple. But Adam, why don't you come right now and give what God has given you. Let's get behind the preacher. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen give honor to your pastor and his wife. They're like family to me. We share a last name. I love and appreciate them very much. Amen. It was my aunt, Tina, that pushed me whenever I was a kid because I was less than motivated student. And she was the one that would push me and tell me, no, you can do this. You can do geometry. What she was really telling me was, you have to do geometry. <laughs> but she pushed me. She pushed me. And, and there are moments in my life that I look back at those times. And I think to myself, if it wasn't for somebody prodding me along a little bit and helping me out, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I give honor to her. I give honor to my wife because when folks like Aunt Tina stepped out of my life for a little while and we were just had distance between us, my wife stepped in and she was willing to push me and willing to help me grow and willing to stick by me while I did grow. And so I'm thankful for her. I'm blessed. I am blessed. I want to turn your attention today to the book of Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25 and beginning at verse number 21. Familiar passage to most. It reads, it says, Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah his wife conceived. But the children struggled within her. She said, If all is well, why am I like this? Sometimes you wonder, God, if everything is all right, then why am I struggling? Why am I struggling? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. It's a fascinating passage right there. And so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there was twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. And afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. And so his name was Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Two nations in her womb. Two boys before birth ever takes place are struggling inside of her. The one comes out naturally but the second the younger was struggling all the way out because he grabbed hold of the heel of his older brother saying you're not going anywhere without me he was so determined before birth that he was a fighter he was ready 
And so for the next few moments, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you today. Keep struggling. Keep struggling. Keep struggling. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of weakness and, un- and, and fear and, uh, and doubt at times, keep struggling. For just a moment, keep struggling. If you would, lift your hands and ask God to speak to you in this place today. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for your presence that's in this place right now. God, I pray that you would have your way, God. Let your spirit begin to move. God, I pray that you would anoint your word, God. Let it go forth today, God. Let every mind and heart be fixed on you today, God, and what you want to accomplish in this place. God, allow me to step out of the way and let your word speak to every heart and mind here today. God, we know that you have an intended purpose for this place today, God, for every soul that's here. God, I pray that you would speak to us today, God, that we would be challenged, God, and that we would be changed in our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray let there be liberty here today in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, God, and we'll give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Life is full of struggles. From the time we're born until the time we die, life is full of struggles. Reader's Digest wrote of a few struggles that were quite notable. A woman came home to find her husband in the kitchen, and he was shaking frantically, almost in a dancing frenzy. And with with very little time, she saw a wire coming out of him And so she began to panic, thinking my husband's being electrocuted. So she did the only thing that she could think, that I have to get him away from the current. And so she finds a random piece of wood in the house, and she hits him upside the head and lays him out. Come to find out that wire sticking out of him was, in fact, his headphones. And that that frenzy that it appeared to be was the husband dancing. But she just couldn't tell the difference. We find out that there was an oil spill in Alaska. The average cost of rehabilitating a seal after the Exxon Valdez oil spill was $80,000 to rehabilitate one seal. And you thought you had medical bills. $80,000 to rehabilitate one seal. So they spend the time in a special ceremony, two of the most expensively saved animals in the history of rehabilitation were being released back into the wild. As the scientists and all of the, all of the zoologists begin to release the animals out into the wild, cheers go out in celebration that good news, the Exxon oil, the Valdez oil spill didn't kill these. We saved them. And after $80,000 and years and years of work to get them back to where they were, as onlookers watch, within a minute, in full view, a killer whale takes both of them and they're dead. That is a true story. Sometimes life feels that way, doesn't it? That you spend and spend, and in a moment, it's all gone. And you ask yourself, what did I do here? Sometimes you feel like the man that was enjoying life in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, life hits you upside the head, and it knocks you out of what, was, what seemed to be an enjoyable moment. Struggles are part of life's journey. As we go through life, we go through different valleys and we go through different things. And so it feels so many times that life is is not just the story of what we're doing, but ultimately it's the journey between the struggles. That we make it from one 
to the other. And nobody ever likes to hear that as you're coming out of a trial, you're coming out of a time of testing, that eventually you'll go back into one. Because we want to think in our own mind, and maybe this is just a way that we try to create hope, but that we tell ourselves that if we make it through this one, then everything's going to be all right. Only to find out that there's another one waiting on the horizon. Some struggles may be a direct choice, may be a direct result of the choices that we make. We're human, and we fail constantly. And so because of the decisions, because of the choices that we make at times, we find ourselves in a struggle. Some of them might have been made for us, that we didn't have any options, we didn't have any choices. And so we were born into situations, or we were, we were placed into situations that we didn't want to be in, but because of the fact that we're human and we struggle, we have to continue to press on through it. Struggling is part of life. Struggling is what creates the brokenness of life. It's what creates us as human beings. Broken families, broken relationships, broken bodies, broken hearts, and broken minds. It's all part of the life that we face together. Jacob, as we read in the Bible, was born a struggler. Before he was even out of the womb, he struggled inside the womb with Esau. And he had a point to make that he had to continue to fight. And it's interesting because as Jacob, as we read through Jacob's story, we find out that he struggles with his brother Esau even out of the womb. Jacob was the cook of the family. He was more of the soft-handed brother than, than Esau. Esau was the hunter. He was the rugged one. And so you find that you see the, the dichotomy between the two brothers. My brother and I are very similar in this nature. My brother is not the outdoorsman. My brother is not the rugged, rough-and-tumble guy. He's the one that you'll find on the couch somewhere, and he's perfectly fine with that. And I love my brother, but I'm the hunter. I'm the one I want to go out. I want to, I want to figure things out. Part of it's because my wife's from the south, and so I had to be if I was going to be the man for her. You just have to adapt. You learn. And even if I wasn't rugged, I had to act the rugged. I had to be rugged. I had to drive my truck. I had to go out into the mud. I had to walk out into the field. And I couldn't even spell camouflage, but I had to own it. So I understand the difference between the brothers. And Esau's out hunting one day, and he comes back to find Jacob, who's made just a bowl of porridge. It's a good soup that he's made. And Esau coming back, the dramatic brother, in this incredible scene that comes back and says, Jacob, I'm about to die. Are you, though? I mean, I, I want to press pause here for just a minute. Sometimes in life, the struggles that we find ourselves in, we're really making mountains out of molehills. Sometimes things are so big and so bad because we made them so big and so bad. But if you take the magnifying glass off your problem and put it on the God of your problem, then all of a sudden you find out it really isn't that bad. God's a lot bigger than every situation you face. So it's really going to be all right. But you see, God had a purpose and a plan because he knew how he created Esau. Because he said, while they were in the womb, he said, I knew them. He said, I formed them and I knit them together. He said, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. So God knew what Esau had inside of him, but he also knew what Jacob had inside of him. And so Esau shows up and says, I'm about to die. And Jacob is the opportunist. He goes, well, I hate that for you, E. I could help you out if you need. He goes, got a bowl of porridge here that's probably going to sustain you. And he goes, I'll take it, anything. And Jacob goes, whoa, 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 bud. This isn't free. Life doesn't do handouts. He goes, so I just ask of one thing. 
I want the birthright. The birthright and the blessing was something in Jewish custom that meant everything. It went to the firstborn, and the birthright meant that now he takes precedence in the family as the patriarch begins to move on. As his father Isaac was going to move on, now Esau was going to be the one that he took care of the family. He would now be in the lineage that made it all the way through the times that we see. It was going to be Esau that we would have heard that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. He would have been the one to receive the blessing and ultimately the favor of God. And he gives it up. For just a simple bowl of soup. Jacob says, I want it. And so we see to ourselves many times, I've heard it even preached before, that Jacob was the deceiver. That's what his name meant, surplanter. He was a deceiver and Jacob was the back-minded, I'm going to weave my way through and get what I want out of life and I'm going to be the one. But if you go back to the scripture, you find out that it wasn't out of the plan of God or even the will of God because you find out that God spoke to Rebecca before she ever gave birth. And he said, two nations are warring inside you. He said, and the older will serve the younger. God knew what Jacob had inside of him. Jacob was a struggler. He was a fighter. And so he goes in front of his father And in order to fool his father, he has to put on these garments over his arms and he has to smell like Esau and look like Esau. And he goes before his father who's now blind and he says, bless me, father. And Isaac says, it feels like Esau, but it sounds like Jacob. You see, there's situations in life where you can recognize, you may not understand what you feel, and you may not understand or recognize everything that's going on, but you can trust the voice that you hear. You see, don't trust what you feel because when you get in the midst of all of it, you start to feel some things that aren't right. You feel fear and you feel doubt and you feel uncertainty and all of a sudden you start to back up. But can I tell you, don't listen to the voice. Don't listen to the things you feel. Listen to the voice that you hear because God's saying, I called you. I'm calling you out of this. I got to keep pulling you through this. If you'll just listen to my voice, don't trust what you feel. Trust what you hear. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. And so Isaac, perplexed by what he's having go on in his life, nevertheless, he blesses Jacob. He gives him the birthright and says, it's going to be to you that all of the blessings go. He places the blessing of God on his life and says, now you'll have favor with God. He said, whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. Everyone from this moment on will recognize you as the one that is blessed of God. Can I tell you, as the people of God, when God placed His Spirit inside of you and you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, God placed a blessing and an anointing on you that He says, whoever blesses you, I will bless. And whoever curses you, I will curse. He said, if you walk under the blessing and the anointing that I've placed on your life, He said, you'll have a recognition of who I am and what I can do in your life. Jacob walked with this in his life. But after he steals... So it appears the blessing and the birthright. Esau gets mad. Funny, isn't it? That once everything settled down and he got a little food on his stomach, Esau was hangry. He was hangry. He makes, we make poor decisions when we're hungry. Very poor decisions when we're hungry. I will sell whatever I have to sell. Just give me the food. My wife comes home and says, where's the car? I was famished. 
Did you eat it? No, I traded it. We make bad decisions, but it's funny, isn't it, that after all the emotion subsides, we, we recognize what we've done. And we have to stand back, and now we have to reckon with our decision that we've made. And Esau tried to reckon with him. He wanted his brother. He said, I'm coming after you. Now, thank God for Mama. Rebecca said, hey, you got to get out of here. Because, see, Rebecca loved Jacob. There was a split in the family. Because the Bible says that Isaac loved Esau. I always told my mom and dad, you don't have to admit it, but I know I'm your favorite. It's fine. It's okay. I tell my grandma the same thing. I said, I know you love Andrew, just a little less. But Isaac had the favorite. It was Esau. Rebecca had the favorite. And part of me wonders, if you'll allow me just to have a little bit of creative liberty here, part of me wonders if she loved Jacob more because she knew the promise and the blessing that was on his life. Because God told her, it's going to be the older that serves the younger. So immediately in mama's mind, she goes, that's God's choice. So was she more in tune with God than Isaac by picking a favorite and saying, well, he's really the one. Was she the one that she coddled him and she nurtured him and she built everything that he needed inside of his life to be able to do what he needed to do? I don't know. But she did hear the voice of God and said that he's going to be the one. He's the chosen one. And so Isaac blesses him. Jacob flees to try to get rid of his brother and try to get out of it. And so he goes and he works for his uncle. And he finds a wife that he loves. And we find out in Genesis chapter 28 and 29, he finds the woman he loves and he loves Rachel. He says, I have to marry Rachel. He said, I love her. And Laban says, you have to work for her. Seven years you have to work for her. Thank God, I love you. And I would have worked for you as long as I have to. I'll work the rest of my life for you. That's just because we have to live. But he says, you have to work seven years before you can have her. And so Jacob says, whatever I have to do, I'll do it. And so he works seven years, and the wedding night happens, and the next morning he wakes up and he goes, hey, you ain't Rachel. He got the sister, Leah. And he goes back to Laban, and he says, this isn't what we planned. This isn't what we had talked about. And Laban goes, sorry. Jacob felt deceived now. The struggler, the fighter, Felt like somebody was picking a fight with him. But here's the thing. He could have walked away and just said, I'm not working another seven years. Sorry, I'll take the second-rate sister. Poor Leah. But he says, you know what? He goes, I'll work again. Laban told him, he said, he said I can't give you Rachel yet. He said, because Rachel's the younger. Rachel's the younger. He said, so we have to bless the older first. So Jacob ends up, Marrying both sisters. Story goes out to tell that we find out that Rachel cannot bear children for a long time and Leah's having children and she doesn't understand it. And finally, Rachel makes a statement that she says, God, why? Why do you hate me so much? Why can't you give me a child? Why can't you just bless me with this? And finally, God blesses them with a the child through her servant. And she makes a statement that I found very interesting. She says, I have wrestled with my sister and with God and prevailed. It's funny, isn't it, that Jacob loved Rachel so much that he loved the fighter in her. He recognized something that he said, you're willing to fight. And out of her comes the seed of Joseph and of Benjamin. The ones that we see that he said, I love them the most. He picked them out over everybody else. He loved them the most. Well, you find out that as Jacob goes on in life, 
He has a moment with God that God gives him a dream and he sees the ladder moving up and, and he sees the angels moving up and down the ladder of heaven. And Jacob, as he watches this, he names the place Bethel. It's the house of God. And while he names this place, he recognizes the significance of it. And so he goes on with his life and finally he says, I've got to go back home and I've got to make things right. He said, I've got to go back to what God called me to. See, it doesn't matter how far you run or how long you run. You've always got to go back and make things right. You can't forget about the past. You can't just act like it's not there. You've got to reckon with it at some day. There will be a reckoning for the days of the past. And so Jacob, since he finds out that Esau's coming, and he's coming with all of his family and all of his herdsmen, and he says, this boy's mad and he's going to kill me. So he sends his family off to the side, and he stays in a place, and he finds himself there. As Jacob spends the night, he's awakened by a visitor and Jacob, finding this man, begins to wrestle with him. And finally, Jacob recognizes this isn't just any ordinary man. Jacob recognizes the significance and the deity of this man, and so he fights even harder. Can I tell you, oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes there are moments and situations in our life that we begin to fight and we begin to wrestle, and we feel like it's from the enemy, and we feel like it's nothing of God, and come to find out you're wrestling with God himself. Because you feel like this can't be from God. It doesn't feel right. I, I'm, all I'm doing is struggling, and this has been my entire life. From birth, that I can't get past this. And I've wrestled at birth, and I wrestled with my uncles, and I wrestled with my family, and I wrestled with my brother, and I've wrestled and wrestled and fought and struggled. This can't be right. And come to find out if you wrestle long enough, if you keep struggling, you find out that what you're wrestling isn't anything of the world. What you're wrestling in that moment is God himself that he's saying, I'm trying to get you to a place that you understand who I am. You see, because it was Jacob that when he began to struggle a little bit and he began to wrestle a little bit in Genesis chapter 32, it says, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, talking about the angel, it said that he touched the socket of his hip. And so the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the angel, and there are scholars that believe that this was a theophany. That means that it was God that he took on the form of flesh and said, I'm going to wrestle with him myself. There are those that believe that it was an angel, but there are some that believe that he wrestled with God himself. God said, I'm not even going to send an angel to do my job. He said, I'm coming down. He said, because I want to be face to face with you. He said, I want to wrestle with you. And so as he wrestled with him, the angel said, he said, let me go for day breaks. Can I tell you? So many times we will stop fighting in the middle of the night because we get tired and we're worn out and we say, I just can't take this anymore. I can't do this anymore. God, you don't understand the pain and the struggles that I'm dealing with right now. Because even in the midst of his, of his hip coming out of socket, he said, I'm going to keep fighting. He said, I'm pushing through a lot of pain right now. He said, I'm pushing through. And I a picture in my mind, Jacob going through all the poor decisions that he made in his life. And he's saying, you know what? If I'm going to fight you, he said, we're going to go ahead and fight for everything that I've ever had to deal with in my life. He said, I'm going to wrestle with you. He said, I'm not letting go the angel said but they breaks he said I'm not letting go until you bless me until you bless me and so he said to him he said what is your name he said Jacob so they responded to him and said you shall no longer be Jacob but Israel he said for you have struggled with God 
and with men and have prevailed. You see, if you don't keep struggling, if you don't keep fighting, you miss the blessing that's on the backside of that struggle and on the backside of that fight. If you give up in the middle of the night when everything feels like it's just caving in around you, if you give up whenever the chips are down and you give up saying, I got nothing left, I can't take the pain, I can't take the heartache anymore, and you give up, you miss the blessing that God has for your life. We struggle in life and we don't understand it. Jacob has an encounter with God in the midst of the struggle. That if it wasn't for that moment, because if he would have said, let me go, and Jacob said, fine, I'm done. And his humanity, undoubtedly, he wanted to let go of that man and just say, you know what, forget it. I've tried and I've fought. I've been a struggler all of my life and it hasn't got me anything. I had to fight to get my birthright that even though it was what God wanted because my mama told me that he was going to serve me, live with that. God told me this would happen, yet I'm looked at as the deceiver and the one that treated everybody poorly. I worked for the one that I didn't want, and then the one that I did could only bear me two children. I struggled and I fought, and I'm done. So many times in life we fight and we fight and we fight. And we feel like we've given everything that we've got. I've pushed this boulder uphill long enough. God, I'm tired of it. I'm letting it go. I'm tired of fighting the medical battles. I'm tired of fighting the mental struggle. I'm tired of fighting the emotional battles in my life. God, I can't take it anymore. I've prayed and prayed and prayed for that child, and they're still not coming home. God, I've done everything you told me to do. I've done everything. It was your word that said that this would happen. And now look at me. My brother's coming to kill me. I'm lost in the wilderness by myself. I'm laying my head down on nothing else around me. I'm giving up. I'm done. We've watched throughout the year of 2020 as the pandemic began to sweep across the globe. And we see that there are people that were fighting. There's businesses that are fighting. Then there's individuals that are fighting. And how many of them have finally had to wave the white flag and just say, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. We've learned what we had inside of us this year. Last year, we were a blessed people of God. This year, we're a blessed people of God. We are a blessed people of God in the midst of the struggle. But in spite of it all, we learned what was inside of us. Because last year, we would have, lit, we would have easily quoted the psalmist and said, I can leap over the wall. I can run through the troop. No problem at all. It's easy. I can do this. But now, when the struggle comes and it's all around us, that it's not just in my family, but the struggles in the world around me, and it's every business that's struggling, it's every individual that's struggling, it's every church that's struggling, and now the pressure gets on. Where do we stand in the midst of the fight? Because the enemy's telling the church and he's telling the people of God, you can't do this anymore. You just as well go ahead and give up. And he's telling you, go ahead and walk away from the church because you can't even be in church and it doesn't feel right all the time. And I don't want to wear a mask in church and I don't want to do all these things anymore. And he says, I would just give up. And how many are willing to say, you're right, I'm done. I'm tired of fighting this thing. It's easier just to give in to the mindset of the rest of the world and just say, you know what, forget it, I'm done. And even God himself will say, you can be done if you want to. And I don't fault you. Think about that for just a moment. When the enemy tells you, be done, 
It's easy for us to recognize the voice of the enemy sometimes and say, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't have to listen to you. But what do you do when God tests your faith? And he says, give up. Let go. Stop fighting. So many times we think to ourselves that God's, gonna, that God's not going to test us. God's going to put us through the ringer because he's got to get it right. My pastor always says this. He said, God always gets it right in the end. It doesn't feel good in the midst, but God always gets it right in the end. And so he's going to test his church and he's going to test his people. And it comes through the struggle of life that we have to deal with. Jacob had the opportunity to walk away, but he fought. He fought in the moment. He fought for everything because can I tell you, there are some things worth fighting for. There are some things worth fighting for. This truth is worth fighting for that the rest of the world's going to tell you, you don't need all of that stuff and you don't need to live holy and you don't need to live right. It's worth fighting for. They're going to tell you, you don't have to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can just accept it and walk away. No, no, no. There's some things worth fighting for in this book. There's some families worth fighting for in this church. My marriage is worth fighting for. My kids are worth fighting for. My sanctity is worth fighting for. My holiness is worth fighting for. You understand me, devil, and hear me well. There are things that I will fight for. So I make the declaration to not only all of hell, but to all of heaven itself, that if I have to fight for the blessing, I'm going to fight for the blessing because I'm not giving up in the 11th hour. I'm not giving up just before daybreak. I'm not walking away from this thing. I will fight because there are things worth fighting for. I will fight. I will fight. I'm not letting go of the backsliders that have walked away from this thing. I've watched too many of them, and I've held them in my arms, and I've prayed with them, and I've watched the move of God come upon their life and even the anointing of God fall upon them. I'm not giving up on the backsliders that have walked out on this thing. I'm not giving up on my family that has yet to come in. Stralis and we got family. They know the truth. I'm not giving up on them. I'm going to fight. Uncle John, I'm going to keep praying for them. I'm going to keep reaching for them because we've got to know that it's worth the fight. There are things worth fighting for in our life. Because what happens is whenever you're willing to keep fighting, you may be seated. What happens is whenever you're willing to keep fighting, it's the blessing of God comes upon you and something changes in your life. Jacob walked away from that moment, not just changed in his mind, but even changed in his body. He walked away, no longer Jacob, but now he walked away as Israel. He named the place where he was at. He named a Peniel. He said, for I have seen God face to face. See, when you're willing to fight, you've been looking for answers. But instead of looking for answers from the doctors, instead of looking for answers from the psychologists, instead of looking for answers from the rest of the world and from the financial gurus and everybody else, instead of looking for answers from everybody else, you've got to look to the answer. You've got to get face-to-face -face with the answer. And the only time that you get face-to-face -face with the answer is when you're willing to struggle. Jacob becomes Israel, and he walks away with a limp. Scholars say for the rest of his life, Jacob walked with a limp because of what happened. So can you imagine as he goes to his brother, and he sees him off in the distance. Imagine if you're Esau, and you see your younger brother. What happened? 
hey, Jacob, what happened? Because while he thought that Esau was coming to kill him, Esau said, no, man. He said, I've made repair with God. He said, I'm just here for you. He said, we're okay. But he sees his brother walking with a limp. And what happened? Tell me the story. See, there's always a story behind the hurt and the pain that somebody's walking with and living with. Don't just write it off and just say that's how they are and that's who they are. No, no, no. It goes deeper than that. When somebody approaches you differently, whether in the spirit or in body, you find out there's a story there, and Jacob begins to tell the story, and he says, I wrestled with God, and I prevailed. I'm no longer Jacob. I'm Israel. God said, I know what your name means. He said, I'm not going to allow you to be identified with that anymore because you were willing to struggle. Musicians want to come. It's interesting to think that all throughout the remainder of the Old Testament and all through the New, we talk about the patriarchs and we talk about who God was. And even Paul himself would begin to write in the New Testament. He says he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's memorialized by who he was before the struggle. But the legacy that he leaves is after the struggle because he leaves a nation behind him. There's his 12 sons that end up becoming the 12 tribes of Israel. You can look on your map now, and there's still a nation, a sovereign nation, bearing his name. See, the blessing of God is still present in his family. To this day, the blessing of God is still upon them. That's why it's so crucial that the United States stays with Israel. Because if you read up on prophecy at all, you find out they're still the blessed people of God. And that promise that God made to Jacob, the deceiver, the surplanter, he said, whoever blesses you, I will bless. But whoever curses you, I will curse. Here we are thousands of years later and the blessing of God is still strong and it's still covering them. You see what happens whenever you wrestle with God and you're willing to fight. God says, you don't understand it. He said, you're going to go through some heartache. Can I be honest with you? You're going to go through pain in life. I don't understand it. I wish that I did. And there's folks that say that we're going to understand it on the other side of heaven. The day, but you know what? What's those pearly gates click behind me? I don't care why I struggled. I'm just glad I did. Can I tell you, I don't care why I fought the battles that I fought. I don't care why I had to go through some of the junk that I went through. It doesn't matter to me anymore. I'm just glad that I fought. Because I'm standing in the presence of Almighty God. I'm standing face to face in front of Him only because I was willing to fight. Keep struggling. You don't understand it. You don't have to. Keep struggling. You don't get it. And you wish that it was over. We all do. But keep struggling. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Don't give up. Even right now in a room this size, 
There are probably people that are battling things in your life that we have no idea what's going on. Not even your pastor may not understand it all. But can I tell you, whether from myself, from the enemy, or God himself, you never win a fight by walking away. You never win a fight by walking away. It was Genesis chapter 49, verse number 33. Jacob, at the end of his life, after gathering his family together, he blessed them and he died. Jacob blessed them. Keep in mind, many chapters after he's had his name changed. But the writer still says, Jacob died. If you go into chapter 50, verse number 2. It says, And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. See, what happens is when you're willing to fight, that old man dies. Jacob dies. But Israel is preserved. Who God made you to be after the battle is what's preserved in your life. All of the things and all of the stuff that happened long before, God says, those things died and they're gone away. He said, but now, he said, it's Israel. He said, it's the new one. He said, it's the blessing. He said, it's the one that I placed my hand upon. It's the one that I've called up to higher things. It's the one that I've called to walk into Canaan land. It's the one that I've called to establish borders and to be the one that would have my lineage run all the way through his bloodline. It was him. He said that I called. He said that the Savior of the world would come through. It's him. So Jacob died, but Israel, Israel was embalmed. So we all stand together. This year has brought struggles in our life that undoubtedly none of us thought we would ever face. A little piece of cloth over our face has brought out a lot in us. Let us know who we are. Revealed a lot of things. It's funny, isn't it? The one thing that conceals our face is the only thing that revealed a lot inside of us. It's brought a lot of struggles that we never even imagined. In the midst of it, life didn't quit happening. Life didn't quit happening. We still had to go to work, hopefully. We still had families to take care of. We still had family issues and medical issues and emotional issues and all these things to deal with. Life didn't quit happening, so we couldn't just say, well, I'll start fighting again in 2021. We had to keep fighting. We had to keep fighting. And so while we're dealing with all of these things in our life, God gives us the opportunity in 2020 I saw a slogan the other day that I loved. It said, 2020, not what I envisioned. That's the truth, isn't it? It's not what I envisioned. In the midst of a pandemic, the year that we all want to forget, and the year that nobody will ever forget. God said, there's some things in your life, he said that, he said, it puts you down deep into the struggle. He said, but this is going to be the year, he said, it doesn't have to be the year that defines you. He said, let it be the year that refines you. 
I believe 100% that God is allowing his church to go through the refining fires this year. And he's purging it and he's making it right because he said, I'm coming back very, very soon. He said, and I have to be coming back to a church that is holy and that's righteous and that can stand the test of time. He said, my church has always, always, always been all right. He said, and it will continue to be all right. He said, but I'm going to sure up the foundation. He said, because we're getting ready to build on this thing. He said, there's going to be souls that come in that you would have never even imagined. You're going to see revival that you never even could have fathomed in your own mind. You're going to see healings and you're going to see great things. He said, but before, before I can send it, he said, I've got to put you through the refining process. He said, not the defining process, because here's the thing, that moment in Jacob's life, it didn't define Jacob, it refined Israel because he went into the fire as Jacob, but he came out as Israel only because he's willing to stay right there in the midst of it. So can I tell you, don't let this year let it define you and turn you all upside down and inside out and hate this thing. Let God refine you in the midst of the struggle. How's your faith? How's your prayer life? See, the struggle we find ourselves in is this. That many times we know what God's calling us to because we've heard it in His Word. We've heard it preached from the man of God. So we know what God's calling us to, but most of the time, most of the time, not always, the struggle isn't with the enemy. The struggle is with the enemy. He that knows to do good doesn't do it. To him it's a sin. There's some things in our life that we know what God's calling us to. And we struggle within ourselves because it's going gonna, it's gonna to require more commitment. It's going to require a stronger level. It's going to require more prayer time. It's going to require more time on my knees before God. It's going to require more time to dig into His Word. Because there's things in my life that I've struggled with for far too long. And the problem is it's not the enemy doing it anymore. He might have introduced it, but now it's me. And I've got to be able to walk away from it. I've got to be able to fight my way through the battle and watch what God does. So I'm asking you, if you can socially distance, if you want to pray at your seat or pray up here, however you do your altar calls. But I'm going to ask you for just a moment. Scripture says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. The battle that you're facing right now, you may not be able to see it in the natural, but if you'll close your eyes and you'll lift your hands, God will show it to you in the spiritual and He's going to show you that fight that you're fighting right now. And can I promise you that if you begin to lift your hands and you begin to step forward, God's going to begin to give you that supernatural strength and He's going to give you the ability to be able to fight through some things that you never thought was possible. Right now, God is going to lose a strength, a supernatural strength in the Holy Ghost. I feel it right now. If you lift your hands, God is speaking right now that there is a supernatural strength in the Holy Ghost that's being released across this congregation. The Spirit of God is moving through the aisles right now and it is a strength that's come upon you that right now as you begin to fight and you begin to press, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and it's His anointing that's going to empower you to be able to walk and do what He's called you to do. It's being released right now right now there is supernatural power in the Holy Ghost the 
depression right now. I speak against the spirit of depression right now for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He will carry you and he will walk with you in the midst of the flood and in the midst of the fire. 